Hello and welcome to Powerhouse Politics. I'm ABC News Chief White House Correspondent Jonathan Carl. And I'm ABC News Political Director Rick Klein. What a debate. Man, I went in there expecting fireworks and guns a-blazing. You know, the big follow-on to the disaster in Cleveland. And we actually got a debate. We actually got a debate. I've, I've been going to presidential debates on and off. Uh, I think the, the first ones I did were the, the, the Gore-Bush de- debates in, in 2000. It's always almost like a mini version of a, of a national convention. You've got all the campaign people, the, the, the surrogates. You've got you know, a massive influx of press. But of course, uh, COVID times, um, it's much smaller. Uh, it's a much more intimate uh, venue. Uh, this had the largest audience so far of any of the debates, but that meant, I don't know. I mean, even with the press, the whole kit and caboodle, about 100 maybe in this, in, this, in a very large venue. So, uh, so it was quite cavernous. Uh, but um, I, think that, I think that both of them did a hell of a lot better than they did in Cleveland. I, I, I mean, I, I, I tuned in for the fight and the debate broke out. What ha- why, why couldn't they do this the first time, John? I mean, this was this was real. I, this is, wasn't Lincoln Douglas. This wasn't the most substantive thing ever, but no one was talking over each other. And, and look, if you're if you're a fan of Joe Biden or a fan of Donald Trump, you heard your guy do it. Just kind of go out there and, and talk about themselves. And yeah, there was there were some jabs, some of them probably below the belt. But uh, this was this was actually watchable. I, I could breathe during this, John. I felt if it was refreshing compared to what we were used to in this whole political season. And of course, what we had at that at that first debate. Great job by Kristen Welker, would you say? And great job by the mute button. Welker was fantastic. And and I I knew that she would do a good job, but she exceeded, I think she she, she exceeded expectations and the expectations uh, you know were high. I mean it, this was a difficult uh, situation. Uh, she was really well prepared. She was on her game. She was uh, polite but firm. Um, you know, she allowed them. She allowed one in debate when they started going at it. She allowed it to happen, but made it clear that we're going to do this for a little bit, but we're going to move on. Uh, it was really, really quite masterful. I, I wanted to go through a, a, a few key moments. Uh, first, we'll start at the beginning, which was dominated uh, by by coronavirus. Uh, not not surprisingly, it is the dominant issue of this campaign. And Biden uh, took t- took a swipe at, uh, at Donald Trump for what he said. And I remember I was there. Uh, and I believe it was one of the uh, coronavirus briefings in the Rose Garden, where the president said uh, that he doesn't take responsibility for anything. Uh, so Biden brought that up. And you say I take no responsibility. Let me talk about your. Two Excuse me. I take very full, I take full responsibility. It's not my fault that he came here. It's China's fault. And you know what? It's not Joe's fault that he came here either. It's China's fault. They kept it from going into the rest of China for the most part, but they didn't keep it from coming out to the world, including Europe and ourselves. Vice President Biden. The fact is that when we knew it was coming, when it hit, what happened? What did the president say? He said, don't worry, it's going to go away. Be gone by Easter. Don't worry. The warm weather. Don't worry. Maybe inject bleach. He said he was kidding when he said that. But a lot of people thought it was serious. But Rick, you, you heard that. You heard that back and forth. But I, if Trevor, if you're if you're listening in the control room, as I know you always are, can you just give me that just, just that one beginning of of uh, of Trump's response? I take full responsibility. It's not my fault that he came here. It's China's fault. Wait, 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 wait just the first part of that again, Trevor. I take full responsibility. It's not my fault that he came here. Wait, 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 Rick. Okay, wait, wait a minute, wait a, wait a, wait a minute. So, I take full responsibility 
It's not my fault. Those two things were said back to back. If it was a semicolon, maybe it was one <laughs> sentence or maybe it was two sentences. I don't know how he uh, how he did his uh, how he how he did his grammar there. But uh, but that, that I mean that is that's a great that's a great Trumpism. I take full responsibility. It's not my fault. There's a lot in that answer. I, look in 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 this whole the whole campaign by the president uh, through the extraordinary events of the last couple of weeks, including his diagnosis with COVID, his hospitalization, his release from the hospital. It was all an opportunity to to reset everything. Uh, and there were a lot of people, uh, maybe we were even among them, John, are saying, well, this is a chance for the president to say, you know what, I was wrong about this, I, or, or at least I'm taking it more seriously now, and let's redouble our efforts. Uh, let's make sure we all wear masks. Let's beat this thing together. I get it. And he has the message he has taken is almost exactly the opposite. The message he has taken is that COVID really isn't a big deal, that it's on the decline, that it's on the that we're on the mend, that anyone can get better from it, that kids still can't get sick from it, uh, that masks are still silly, uh, and that his wars with Dr. Fauci, he's actually using as an attack line that Dr. Fauci is someone that Vice President Biden would listen to. It, it tells you where this election is and what it's about. And and I think this debate and, and probably all of the major encounters of the last couple of weeks have shown Biden trying to bring it back to that and uh, encapsulating a moment like that, where the president once again says, look, this thing happened, uh, and, and, and A, it's not that big a deal, and B, you know, somebody else's fault. By the way, uh, the camp, the Trump camp did listen to Fauci last night. This was a fascinating moment, just this little, little behind the scenes. Uh, so, you know, there was much discussion about this plexiglass barrier that had been put in place for the VP debate, and there it was uh, put in place uh, yesterday in Nashville uh, to separate uh, a Trump and Biden. There was a lot of discussion of this, careful placement. It was done. Uh, Fox actually happened to be the TV pool uh, for the debate itself. Uh, so they, they worked the camera angles to minimize uh, the interference from the, the plexiglass and, and how they got their cutaway shots, all of this. Um, and then suddenly it went away. In the like like an hour or two before the debate, the plexiglass was was removed, was taken away, and we're like, what What's going on? What's going on? Um, so we had heard that uh, that, that both campaigns had actually dropped their objections to taking the plexiglass out, and that somehow Dr. Fauci had a role in all of this. So as we were preparing um, to go on the air, actually we were already on the air, but the debate hadn't started yet. But during one of the breaks, I. Uh, I called up Dr. Fauci, uh, who I figured would probably have his phone on, probably getting ready to watch the debate. And sure enough, he was. And I said, so is this true that you had some kind of a role here regarding the removal of the plexiglass? And uh, he told me that, in fact, uh, that's exactly what happened, that uh, he had gotten a call just, just, a, just a couple of hours earlier. Um, if that, maybe even less than a couple of hours, uh, from Mark Meadows, the president's chief of staff, uh, saying, so, Dr. Fauci, what do you think? Do you think this plexiglass is necessary? Do, do we need this uh, between the two candidates? And Dr. Fauci started to explain that in his view, he doesn't actually think it makes any difference. And, and so Meadows said, wait, wait, uh, let, me, let me get you on the phone with the commission uh, on, on presidential debates. And and they, Fauci had a second conversation with uh, a doctor who has been advising the commission on safety at these debates. 
And he said in his assessment, the plexiglass is really more of a show than, than, than doesn't really actually do anything because two ways of transmission, one is through droplets, actual droplets. Uh, uh, and he said 12 feet apart, there's no, there's no way a droplet's going to go 12 feet. Uh, or aerosol, uh, you know, breathing in if, if, if the virus is aerosolized um, through your breath. And it's like a, a, plex, a plexiglass that doesn't go to the, that isn't fully isolating you isn't going to stop the aerosol. <laughs> so, and besides... So the sneeze guard isn't enough. Yeah, and, and besides, and uh, Fauci said, neither one of these guys is contagious. Uh, so... Um, anyway, so the thing came down, but it was just funny that when they really, you know, uh, Trump was going to be really irritated by that, that plexiglass, his team knew it, uh, it's a reminder of, of the symbolic of the virus and all of that. So, you know, what do you do? The, the, the commission wasn't going to do away with it. They thought it was necessary. So they, they, they called for higher authority and there is no higher authority on this as Meadows just demonstrated than Dr. Fauci. Uh, so anyway, just, uh, <laughs> I think you buried the leader. So Fauci watched the debate. I love that. I kind of had a picture of, yes. of, of, in my, in my mind of him watching Thursday night football instead, like, like, <laughs> like, like tune out all this stuff. I love that he's on his couch, uh, you know, watching like everyone yeah, else in the country. I'd love to, I'd love absolutely. to be, I'd love to have a live stream of Fauci, Fauci cam, Fauci cam yeah. watching his reaction during the debate. It'd be fantastic. Yeah. Uh, should we, should we do another clip? This was another one that, 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 that caught, I think both of our attention, a lot of other people as well, when uh, the issue, an issue which surprisingly hasn't come up much in this campaign, but um, is one of the more searing images from the Trump era, and that is of the uh, children on the border being uh, separated from their parents um, and, uh, you know, for a time being put in just horrific conditions um, in, these, in these facilities because they didn't have room for them all, and they were separated from their parents. Biden went after Trump on this, and and Trump's response, I I, I think, didn't quite land uh, the way that um, it's going to do him much good. Take a listen. It's not coyotes didn't bring them over. Their parents were with them. They got separated from their parents, and it makes us a laughing stock and violates every notion of who we are as a nation. Let me ask you a follow-up question. They did it. We changed the policy. Your response they to that? It. We, we changed. did not. They built the cages. The, they, who, who built the cages, let's, Joe? Let's talk about what who we're talking about. Who built the cages, about. Let's Joe? talk about what we're talking about. What happened? Parents were ripped, their kids were ripped from their arms and separated. And now they cannot find over 500 of sets of those parents, and those kids are alone. Nowhere to go. Nowhere to go. It's criminal. It's criminal. Let me ask Kristen, you about I will say this. They went down. We brought reporters, everything. They are so well taken care of. They're in facilities that were so clean. But some of them haven't been reunited. Good. But just ask. Wow. I mean, he was talking about how well taken care of and well treated these kids are that have been, you know, taken away from their parents. I, I, I don't know. Removed from their families. Yeah. John, we've talked a lot about We've had guests on this program talk about President Trump and empathy, and you know this was a moment where you know President Trump, you, you know, went by the book in terms of the you know the clinically uh, appropriate answer uh, to try to to try to rebut the the, the Vice President's assertions, uh, but this is just a human thing, 
And it's not the only time it came up in this debate, or I would say came up over the last month. You know, I I actually think for all that's been made of the 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 uselessness of the first debate and the collapse of the second debate, and then uh, and then last night's I thought you know very fine finale here. Uh, you learned a lot about the candidates, both both Biden and Trump, as human beings over the course of the town halls and the, and the two debates, and that's one of those moments that. Even in the moment, you, you, you watch it, you're not sure how it plays out, but man, that, that, is, uh, that doesn't age as well uh, on, on second playing. And, and here's another one that I, I, I mean, I don't think needed any time to age. Uh, <laughs> uh, Kristen Walker asked a very pointed question um, about the, the president's uh, long history of, 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 frankly, racist, racially insensitive remarks. Um, and, you know, the fact that he retweeted the video with somebody saying, you know, in a Trump golf cart uh, saying white power, um, you know, she kind of went through the litany and um, saying, well, what do you say to those who say you have contributed to this environment of, 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 of racial division? And take a listen to the answer. It makes me sad because I am I, I am the least racist person. I can't even see the audience because it's so dark. But I don't care who's in the audience. I'm the least racist person in this room. I mean, John, who was in the room? There were a decent amount of people in the room. Any, I mean, I was in you the room. You were was um, Melania Trump. Uh, Mary Bruce Mary was Bruce. in the room. Okay. Melania was in the okay. Trump was in the room. Yes. He's impugning a whole lot of people in a lot of rooms. Well, the other person that was in the room and who he didn't need to strain his eyes to see because there were spotlights on her was Kristen Welker. Mm. Um, it was just a, you know, I mean, and he, he did the, he did the, the Lincoln thing again, you know, they done, done, done more for African-Americans than anybody since Abraham Lincoln. Anyway, I, I you know, I mean, it, to, to, to quote the president, it is what it is. So, so the, the last clip is, I mean, we were done with the debate. By the way, Welker, I, 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 and I, Welker is a good friend of mine. Um, I have traveled all over the all over the world with her on uh, on presidential trips with both, uh, you know, Obama and uh, and with Trump. She is she is she is good people. Um, what I liked uh, is is she uh, she also the debate went a couple of minutes long. I don't know if you noticed that. I mean, it went a little bit past its time. And why the hell not? Who's going to stop her? I mean, come on. Yeah, you're going to um, yank her off the air? Come on. You know, she's in charge. This is what could be more important than what's going on here. But at the very end of the debate, I mean, we're just getting ready. I'm starting to get my notes ready for what I'm going to say. You know, as, you know, George brings us back on the air and we talk about the debate. Uh, we got into this little bit of a, of, of a discussion. You know, it was, it was the, the, the last major topic on, on climate change. Um, and it was towards the end of all of that where uh, – the, the, the question of, of, of the oil industry comes up and, and Trump feels like he's really got, a, you know, a gotcha moment. But this, this is a rather extended clip and I think it's important to hear the whole thing so we're not taking any of it out of context. Uh, but take a listen, Trevor, please. I have one final would question. Would he close it down falls, the oil industry? It falls, would you close it down falls, the oil industry? By the way, industry? I would transition from the oil industry, yes. Oh, I will that's transition. That is a big statement. That's a because big statement. I would stop. Why would you do that? Because the oil industry pollutes significantly. Oh, I see. And here's the deal. But that's a big statement. That. Well, if you let me finish the statement, because it has to be replaced by renewable energy over time, over time. And I'd stop giving 
to the oil industry, I'd stop giving them federal subsidies. He won't give federal subsidies to the to the gas. Excuse me, to the to uh, solar and wind. Yeah. Why are we giving it to oil industry? We actually do All give right. it to solar and wind. We and have that's one maybe final the biggest question. statement in terms of business. That's the biggest statement. Okay. Because we basically, what he's saying question, is he is Mr. going President. to destroy the oil industry. Okay. Will you remember that Texas? Will you okay. remember that Pennsylvania, Oklahoma? Vice President Biden, let me give you ten seconds to respond, Ohio. and then I have to get to the final question. Vice President Biden. It takes everything out of context, but the point is, look, we have to move toward a net zero emissions. The first place to do that by the year 2035 is in energy okay. production by 2050 totally. Uh, so what, what I like there is um, <laughs> when Welker says, why would you do that? <laughs> and, and she's asking about the policy. And but. I, I, as I heard her say that, I was thinking that somewhere in the Biden camp, people were saying, why would you do that? In other words, why we've got you got through the debate. You, you did really well. Uh, you know, this is like you, you gave Trump nothing to, to, to of significance to use against you. And now at the very end, you splurt out. Yeah, I would I would, I would close down the oil industry. Now, then he gives his context. He's saying over time and everything else. But, you know, I mean. That was that was a moment that will be exploited. We will see it in Trump ads. Uh, Donald Trump is keenly aware. He likes to play the non-politician, but he knows exactly um, how the oil and gas industry plays in Texas, which is a state he is now struggling uh, potentially uh, in. Uh, he knows how um, you know fossil fuels play in Ohio and in Pennsylvania. He knows, <laughs> so uh, he latches onto this. Biden wasn't actually announcing any new policy here. Um, but, you know, he was clearly saying, I would shut down the oil industry. Now that people, if you're working in that industry, you hear that. Right. Now the issue of subsidies, oil and gas subsidies have been, uh, you know, a target for, uh, uh, you know, I mean, people have been raising questions about those for a long time. The idea of ending those is again, also not really all that controversial, but, you know, to, to answer yes about shutting down closing down the oil industry, uh, you knew there was a problem because Biden um, has, uh, has has come out already and done a little bit of cleanup on this, trying to clarify his position. Uh, this is af Biden after the debate. Actually, we're going to have to go to all, but we're not getting rid of fossil fuels. We're getting rid of the subsidies for fossil fuels, but we're not getting rid of fossil fuels for a long time. Will not be gone for the, probably 2050. Uh, they're not going to lose their jobs, and besides, they're going to be, a lot more jobs are going to be created in other alternatives. So thank you. That's a cleanup. Yeah. So yeah. he's saying, no, 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 no. I'm not going to do away with the, the fossil fuels industry. And and John, I, it's it's I agree with you that it's it's what it's what we call a late headline of the debate. Right. It was right toward the end. Why did the why did the vice president take the debate? Well, he took it and he said it, and he's going to have to answer for that, and he's going to answer for these next eleven days. I also think it was one of the most revealing exchanges of the debate, and one of those things that we'll cite maybe after the fact because. If President uh, or if Vice President Biden wins this election and and takes the presidency in January uh, and has a Democratic Congress, that's the tension. That's exactly it. Now, th there's another way to look at that answer and say 
there were a lot of uh, younger voters who think climate change has been you know, sorely, yeah. uh, sorely ignored during this election. And they finally heard a presidential candidate saying, yes, let's get rid of the oil and gas industry. They're, they're big polluters. Uh, we know the vice president has, has tried to avoid things like the Green New Deal. He has tried to avoid the perception. He's tried avoiding the, the saying that he'd ban fracking, avoiding the perception that he is far left on environmental issues. But there he was in a full-on embrace of a, of a pretty critical position that uh, a lot of progressive voices uh, want. And whether the vice president makes good on that or not, that's the governing tension we're going to see in 2021 under a Biden administration, under a Democratic Congress, is that for all of the talk uh, and the, the wish of the, pre- of the vice president to move toward the middle, to, to take a moderate path, He's not going to win the presidency that way, and he's not. There are many voices on the left that are going to let him govern that way, and those are the kind of things that are going to bedevil uh, a Biden administration uh, if if he wins this election. Yeah, that's a good point. And then just in terms of of the election in the last uh, you know week and a half here, how, if if those younger uh, progressive voices for whom climate change is the number one issue who have been frustrated that he has not fully embraced. The Green New Deal has not has not gone has not emphasized this enough. How do they may have applauded when he answered the way he did in the debate, but what did they think about the walk back afterwards? Where he's like, no, 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 no. Just understand, this exactly. is you know, I'm not doing away with the uh, fossil fuel industry now. This is a long way in the future, and I think it plays a little bit into the you know into the perception uh, that, that 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 Trump tried uh, with some success in this debate. Of, of portraying uh, Biden as just another politician, and I'm not a politician. He's just another politician. I mean, he comes out, and when, you know, he, you know, he, he, Trump may be mischaracterizing what Biden has said about fracking, but Biden was much more critical of fracking in the primaries than he is now. Uh, that's a fact. Yes, that's right. One of those areas that he was, on, he, he seemed to contradict himself in one of the debates. Um, and certainly, Kamala Harris yeah. had a different position. There's no question. This has been had a different position entirely. Yeah, yes, that's right. His, so, his, so his you know, he's back and forth. And what are you trying to do? And who are you appealing to? Um, you know, but um, uh, you know, I I, 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 I think we have to remember, even as we close out this conversation, this special edition of the Powerhouse Politics podcast, we now. Just a short while ago, I saw the latest numbers have passed 50 million yeah. people who have already voted. 50 million people. And t- t- today is also another important milestone. You, you, know what, you know what today is, 11 days out from the election? Yeah, this was, this was the day that the, uh, the Comey story broke, right? Wasn't it? This is, this is, yes, happy Comey day to all your political observers. This is the, the date and time that should be fixed in the memories of any political uh, observer or participant. 11 days out was, was Comey day. And um, our, a former White House employee also reminds that we are now exactly one mooch away from election day. The entire term of Anthony Scaramucci <laughs> can fit right between now and election day. That's another measurement of political time. So yeah, it's close. As you know, I'm the one person that insists that Mucci, that, that Scaramucci's tenure was really ten days. But but I, you know, I'm not. That's a battle I'm going to lose. It's already been defined. As yeah, well. I don't see. I mean, it's, 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 you yeah, lost yeah, that. Yeah. You lost that argument. History, <laughs> history, be, history will, will yeah, judge yeah. you as having lost that argument. I'm going with today. He's declaring it to be one mooch away. I'm trying to cut ten percent away from the guy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, it's good. It's good. Um, all right, uh, Rick, uh, uh, 11, one mooch away, 11 days, one mooch away. We will be back next week with Powerhouse Politics, and maybe we'll do a couple of editions uh, next week. I think we need to. Uh, Trevor, thank you for uh, the, the, uh, the all the alacrity you've uh, displayed in our expansive Powerhouse Politics control room. Trevor Hastings, Avery Miller, and the entire Powerhouse Politics team, thank you. We'll be back next week. <laughs>